Thank you for tuning in to Propel Church. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to our podcast, we're so glad that you chose to join us today. We believe that God has great things in store for you and hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this message. It's Baptism Sunday here at Propel Church, and just to celebrate with you, uh, already this morning, three people have gone public with their faith through baptism, so come on, super exciting, and the reason why we celebrate baptism here is we call it uh, like our Super Bowl Sunday here at Propel Church, except the good news is the Super Bowl gets to happen a couple times a year here at Propel, and you know, there's no food at this Super Bowl party, but make no mistake, it is a party. And the reason why we celebrate is because there's something powerful that happens when people make the decision to go public with their faith and declare that they've decided to follow Jesus with their life. And so I know some of you are scheduled to get baptized today during the 1030 uh, worship experience, but some of you aren't scheduled to get baptized. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. Our team goes above and beyond to kind of prepare the way in the event that the Lord speaks to you today on the importance of baptism. And so we're going to walk through a passage of text today uh, because we teach on baptism on baptism weekends for two reasons. One, uh, because most churches don't talk about it. They just expect you to understand it. Well, that's kind of problematic, right? Because God tells, God's word speaks a lot about baptism, but we should understand the importance and the significance of it. And the other reason is we want to help you take a next step if that's what God leads you to do today. And so if you have a Bible, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. It's going to be the primary text for us this morning. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be available on the screen beside me. But I also want to say this, on your way out today, if you'll stop by the next steps area, we would love to place a Bible in your hands. And I know it might sound old school, but I love a physical Bible, right? Like I love being able to flip through the pages. I like writing in every margin. I like highlighting because here's what I've learned. What God teaches you in one season is really what you need in another. And if you'll get into the habit of being able to take notes and look through your Bible and you can see what God taught you before, you'll see scripture come alive because you were like, oh, I read that before, but now there's new life breathed into it. And so love, you need a paper Bible. And, and the people in the 1030 said, amen, right? Amen. At least three of you. So uh, as we get into the text, Paul has been talking to the church and he's been talking about what it looks like to have spiritual fullness and fulfillment. And he really talks about how you and I won't find that fullness. We won't find that fulfillment in anything other than Jesus. And then we get to verse number nine of Colossians chapter two, and it says this, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. In other words, Jesus is fully God and everything we need is found in him. Then it says that he is the head over every power. This is Jesus and authority. In him, you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. 
When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public, a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I've entitled this message, This Funeral is a Party, because when Paul is talking about baptism, he seems to be talking a lot about death. He seems to be talking about all of these things that are cut off, that are torn away, that are no longer a part of who he used to be. And yet at this funeral that he's talking about, us being buried with Christ in his death, he seems to have this eagerness and this excitement. And I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral and you could feel in the room that it's not really much of a celebration, that it's a somber moment, but baptism is not to be that way. This funeral that we celebrate in baptism is a party because we are celebrating the fact that dead things can come back to life. We're celebrating the fact that our old ways of living can be removed and that somehow by God's grace, he can give us a fresh start and a new opportunity. This is what we celebrate in baptism. This funeral is a party. It's a celebration. And today I want to make sure that you and I, I'm not going to expect you to remember the nine plus minus 50. I can't do that math. I don't know how many verses I read to you this morning. I'm not going to expect you to remember all those. What I want to do is I want to break down this passage of text and make sure you and I know what we celebrate when it comes to baptism. So the first thing we celebrate is we celebrate that Jesus canceled our debt and had victory on the cross. We celebrate that Jesus cancels our debt and had victory on the cross. You know, there was a lot of people who were crucified back in the day, but only one stands victorious. See, when we look at the text, Paul writes in Colossians, he says it. Let's just make sure you and I understand what has happened. He says, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he took it away by nailing it to the cross. At the end of this passage, Paul wants to make sure that you and I understand that Jesus has done something incredible for us on the cross. And just in case you're not familiar with the story or you're not familiar with who Jesus is, Jesus is fully God. See, scripture teaches us that he was not born of the seed of man. He was born of the seed of God. He came in the birth of a virgin named Mary. And as Jesus would be born, he is fully God and fully man. And that's important because in order for us to be able to relate with God, we have to know that he understands the things that we've gone through. So Jesus would live this life and he would live completely sinless. I know that's hard for us to comprehend because, come on, you went to Walmart last week and you're like, there ain't no way somebody could go to Walmart and live sinless. But Jesus, <laughs> Jesus did. In fact, Scripture teaches us that he endured suffering. He endured betrayals. He would go through hardships and struggles all so that you and I know that we have a God who can empathize with us in all things because he endured it. And Jesus would then 
be accused of things he had never done. He would be wrongfully imprisoned and put on trial. And every nail that Jesus had in his hand was a nail that you and I deserved. And so when Jesus is dying on the cross, we talked about this just a couple weeks ago at Easter, what we understand is the cross that Jesus dies on is the death that we deserve, but Jesus took our place and he stands in the gap for us. But can I tell you that there was a period of time where everything looked hopeless. In fact, Jesus had told the disciples, the 12 people closest to him, he said, here's the game plan. I'm going to go. I'm going to be falsely accused. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be put on trial. They're going to find me guilty of things I've never done. I'm going to die on the cross, but three days later, I'm going to get up. That's the, that's the plan. And the disciples were like, got it. And Jesus dies. And they're like, what are we going to do? Because <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the plan of God is so clear. He's told us but it still seems hopeless. Sometimes the plan is not as complicated as we make it, but it's still really hard to follow. And when Jesus dies and the tomb was sealed, the disciples thought it was over. It reminds me of this famous painting called Checkmate. And this painting was to depict two people playing chess. And if you're not familiar with how chess works, (laughs) me either. Uh, But... (laughs) But there comes a point in a chess match where there's this thing called checkmate. And what it means is that the king is out of moves. And this painting would hang in the lobby of this uh, great chess tournament. And people would walk by. It was called checkmate. And they would see that it doesn't look like there's any hope. But this one famous chess player was walking by one day. And he looked and in the middle of the silence of this lobby. He just shouted, hold on. The king has one more move. And sometimes we think that there's a checkmate, that everything looks hopeless, that the game is over. But what Jesus does on the cross when the tomb is sealed is he's declaring that the king has one more move. That it seemed like it was hopeless. It seemed like it wasn't going to work. And it's important because we get to celebrate the fact that when everything else seems hopeless, Jesus triumphed over every single principality, every enemy on the cross. And he declares it is finished. Baptism is a beautiful celebration because it reminds us that the king has one more move. That every time we experience hopelessness, hope comes. Every time there's a moment of darkness, light can step in. Every time things seem dead, there is the possibility for new life. That's what we celebrate in baptism. Jesus has canceled our indebtedness. A couple years ago, I uh, had both my Achilles reconstructed. It was 2016. It was, a, it was a tough year. Come on, you know. It was a big, big operation. Had both of them reconstructed. And uh, um, with that comes this pile of medical bills. I just wish it could be one bill, but that's not how they do it, right? And so somehow in the process of, of getting all of these bills, uh, I missed one of them. And I remember uh, they didn't really call me and tell me I had missed the bill. They just sent me straight to... Collections. I was a little frustrated, but that's not what this message is about. <laughs> they sent me to collections, and collections called me and informed me that I had a debt that was owed. But I called the hospital and had a whole conversation with them, and then they let me know that the, oh, the debt had actually been covered. It had already been paid for. It was just a mistake, but they weren't going to be able to handle it in order for me to have the debt removed from my account, I had to call the one that the debt was owed to 
and tell them it was fully paid for. And the same is true with salvation. See, sometimes we miss out on the fact that Jesus has already paid the debt in full. The only thing we have to do is call on his name and declare that he has already covered the debt. The beauty of baptism is that we celebrate that our debt has been paid for and Jesus triumphs on the cross. Are you with me, 1030? Yeah. That was like 10 of you. Come on, are you with me, 1030? Yeah. Come on. Here's the second thing. We celebrate being joined together with Christ. We celebrate being joined together with Christ. Uh, so I'm married. I told you that earlier. I got a wonderful wife named Tori. Um, when we got married, we had a wedding day celebration. It was incredible. It kind of rained, snowed, or sleet thing, you know, but there were these little lamb taquitos. No, I'm just, we don't have time for all that. It was a great, it was a great day. We had an incredible time. See, as a believer, a baptism is much like a wedding day. On a wedding day, you celebrate that two people become one. And Paul talks about this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. He says, your whole self was ruled by the flesh. It was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. What Paul is trying to make sure we understand is the reason why baptism is important for every believer is it's one of two areas where you become joined with Christ. Much like a wedding day is a celebration where my wife and I become one, baptism is the celebration where you join Christ in his death and you're also joining Christ in his resurrection. There's a beautiful symbol that's taking place in front of our eyes. But in order to understand the symbolism and the beauty of baptism, Paul also throws out this word circumcision. And as people who live in 2022, we could read the text and we would skip over that and not really worry about it because circumcision is fairly popular for people when they're newborns and they're infants. But when Paul is writing to this church in this context, it's really important because the believers of the day would have a whole different understanding of circumcision. Back in the Old Testament, circumcision was a token of the covenant of God. The only people who were circumcised were God's chosen people. And now when Jesus comes onto the scene in the New Testament, he is teaching that God is not just for the Jew, but he's also for the Gentile. God is not just for people who think that they belong to him. He's for those who think they could never make it. Jesus is declaring that this gospel, this good news, his death is for all people of all races, tribes, tongues, and generations. But the Jewish people of the day we're looking at these new people who were getting saved and they were pulling their knife out and going, all right, now it's time for circumcision. Ain't nobody signing up for church at that point. <laughs> You're running. Paul's going, hey, no, 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 that's not how it works anymore. In the old covenant, we had to be circumcised to declare that there was a part of us that was being cut off and we were part of God's covenant. But now in the New Testament, the beauty is that baptism is what joins us with Christ and identifies us as being on God's side. Yeah. 
Baptism is where we join Christ first. It says that you have been buried with him in baptism, which is why here at Propel Church, we baptize by immersion. There are people, you can, you can argue about how to baptize and do all this. There's two primary reasons that we baptize by immersion. Number one is the symbol. What we read in scripture is that we are buried with Christ in his death. So when you sit in the tank and you go under, you are being buried with him. And then the other symbol is that you're being raised to new life. That's why we baptize by immersion. And the second reason is, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. What we see in scripture is that Jesus too was baptized by immersion, that he went under the water and he came out. And when he came out, God spoke something over him. What's powerful about baptism is the symbol that we have in it. And as we break down the symbol of baptism, it's that we are buried with Christ to symbolize his death and we're raised to new life to symbolize his resurrection. Every now and then when I'm driving down the road, I'll see the, oh, I got 13 minutes left. All right. Um, all right. Every now and then when I'm driving down the road, right, I was like, am I going to do this story or not? Yes. The answer is, yeah, I'll see these bumper stickers that's like, be like Jesus or the old school, the WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? At some point in your life as a follower of Jesus, if you're trying to do what Jesus did, you're going to come to baptism. Because yeah. baptism was the start of Jesus' ministry. It's not just something he thought was a good idea. It's something he partook in himself because it was so important. Yeah. It was so important that he's having a conversation with John the Baptist and he says, I must be baptized today. And John the Baptist, who is one of the most renowned uh, preachers of the day, says, no, I ain't doing that. You don't need, you're good. You're Jesus. You don't need to be baptized. And, and sometimes, sometimes uh, you can even have good Christian friends who stand in the way of you trying to be obedient to what God's telling you to do. But you still have to be obedient anyways. Jesus says, no, I need, I must be baptized. I need to do this. And he gets baptized in that moment because it's such a beautiful symbol. Here's the third thing for you this morning is that we celebrate that our old life is gone and we are alive in Christ. The last thing we celebrate in baptism is the symbol of our old life being washed away so that we can embrace this new life that Jesus has for us. Second Corinthians 5.17 is probably one of my favorite passages of scripture. It says that if anyone is in Christ, they've been made a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. It's one of those things that is really easy to preach. It's really easy to say, but it's a whole lot harder to live out because I don't know what your old life looks like, but if your old life looks anything remotely like mine, it's filled with a lot of chaos. It's filled with a lot of disaster. It's filled with a lot of sin issues that you hope there's not many people that know about. I remember when I first got saved, I still lived with this guilt and shame of the things that I've done in the past. And the reason why baptism is important is because it's an opportunity for you to let your old life be washed away to embrace the new life that Jesus has for you. Because the only person who still holds you accountable for the sins of your past is the enemy. And it's not accountability. It's a reminder of the guilt and the shame to carry that Jesus already died and paid for. We celebrate that our old life is gone and the new life has come. Colossians chapter two, verse 13 says this, when you were dead in your sins, 
and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins. He didn't just forgive some. He forgave all of them. And when we go into baptism, the reason why baptism is so beautiful is because it's a symbolic way of joining Christ to be buried with him in his death and to be raised to new life. But it's also a marking moment where you can look back in your life and you can say, hey, there was this moment where I know the enemy keeps reminding me of my past, but I publicly declared that I'm following Jesus. I've publicly declared that I'm not the person who I used to be. The enemy does a great job of reminding you who you were, but God calls you his child and all of your sins are forgiven in him. Baptism is important for every single person who is a follower of Jesus because Jesus said we should do it and it's the opportunity for us to symbolically declare before people that we've made the decision to follow Jesus. It reminds me of Exodus. God's people were in slavery and captivity and God sends Moses to declare that his people should be set free. And there were plagues and you got to go read it all. But Moses is leading the people out of captivity, but the Egyptians are chasing them. And they get to this body of water. And when they get to the water, Moses lifts his staff up, the Red Sea parts, and they're able to walk across on dry land. It's a beautiful thing because typically, you know, it's God because when water is removed, you have mud, but no, it's dry land this time. They walk across, the enemy is chasing them. And as they get to the other side, the walls of the Red Sea close and their enemy is washed away. On one side of the Red Sea, their identity is slave. But on the other side of the Red Sea, their identity is free. The beauty is not that the water had any power. It was the God who orchestrated the water that did. And the beauty of baptism is that when you go into the water, you may be identified as slave, but when you come out of the water, your identity has changed. And it's not that the water is powerful. It's that God orchestrated a moment for you to experience something that's symbolic. And when you embrace a symbol and it transitions from something that's symbolic to something you've experienced, it begins to solidify something in your life. That's why every believer needs to be baptized. Every single follower of Jesus. Another really good reason why you need to be baptized as a believer is because scripture is clear that if we deny him before people, then he'll deny us. Why? Because because salvation isn't legitimate till you tell somebody about it. That's right. Till you go public with it. Yes. Till you're willing to risk your reputation by saying, I've decided to follow Jesus. So here's the last thing I've got for you is that baptism is the symbolic celebration that should take place in every believer's life. Yes. Every believer. It's like being married without having a ceremony. 
party matters. If I think about this for a second, right? If I looked at my wife today, because my, my wedding ring is a symbol that says, come on, I'm off the market, right? Like it's, it says, yeah, she, you heard her. She said, she said, that's right. It symbolizes I'm married. What if I looked at my wife? I said, hey, you know, I love you. I'll do anything for you. But I don't really want to be seen with you in public. I'm not going to let anybody know I'm married. Uh, I don't want to tell anybody about you, but you know how much I love you. Oh, by the way, I'll come see you once a week. You'd be like, that's not a relationship. That's not love. No, no. When I've become one with her, I'm willing to tell everybody I know. Hey, that's my wife. Hey, I love her. Hey, I'll do anything to serve you. When we, that's what it looks like to be in covenant with God. Baptism is a symbol that every single believer needs to experience. But the first step in this journey is to surrender your life to Christ. Because what we see in scripture is every single time we see baptism take place, it happens after salvation. Why? Because it's the symbolism of you being buried with Christ in his death and being raised to new life in him. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your savior yet, then you can't declare that you were buried with him in his death and raised to new life with him. You say, well, pastor, like I got baptized earlier in my life and I hadn't surrendered my life to Jesus. Like what's, what's gonna happen? Nothing, you were just a wet sinner the first time. It is what it is. Baptism is a symbol, which means that you can get baptized more than once. It means that if there's a time in your life where you had been baptized, but then later on you made the decision to throw the stake in the ground and surrender your entire life to Jesus, then the next step for you is to get baptized, period. You say, well, I feel like I should get baptized, but I don't know. Like, is is this what God's leading me to do? Is this the enemy? I've never found the enemy to tempt me to take a next step to be obedient to do something God declared. That'd be dumb of him. And he's pretty crafty. No, but if God's leading you to get baptized today, we want to create the space for that. But for just a second, before we get into baptism, some of you, the next step is to fully surrender your life to Jesus. The next step is to say, hey, Jesus, I want to make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying in my place on the cross. With every head bowed, every eye closed across the room today, maybe you're watching online, and you feel that draw that, You need to surrender your life to Christ. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to boldly for just a moment, lift your hand up and say, Pastor, I need to pray that prayer today. Here's what we're gonna do. Nobody prays alone, church. We're gonna pray together. Will you repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, will you stand to your feet and help me celebrate with those who made decisions this morning? Come on. Come on. And I know some of you are scheduled to get baptized and some of you aren't. In just a second, 
I'm gonna talk to a couple groups of people and then I'm gonna do a countdown to three. And if you wanna get baptized today, you're gonna be able to exit your end of the row and go straight out the auditorium doors. Once you get out there, you're gonna see a whole bunch of crazy people cheering and they're gonna be so excited for you. But they're gonna take you back and give you the opportunity to change clothes and then we're gonna worship for a song. And after that song is over, we're gonna celebrate baptism today. But here's what I want you to know. A couple groups of people I wanna talk to. First, maybe you were baptized as a kid or a teenager. And the reason why you got baptized was because maybe mom and dad were like, hey, your brother, your sister's getting baptized. Come on, Uncle Joe's in town. He can't get here that often. You getting baptized as well. Listen, their goal and their intent was great, but scripture's clear that baptism happens after salvation. And so if you've made a decision later in your life to say, hey, I wanna follow Jesus, and you haven't been baptized after that decision, today, you need to get baptized. For others of you, maybe you were baptized as an infant. And what scripture teaches us again is that baptism happens after salvation. What your parents were doing in that moment is they were saying, hey, we desire that our kid would grow up and love Jesus. And today, if you make the decision to get baptized, you're not standing in contradiction of that decision. You're actually standing in confirmation of it. You're saying, hey, I too wanna make that decision to follow Jesus. If you were baptized as an infant and later surrendered your life to Christ, today you need to be baptized. And the third group of you that I wanna talk to are the stubborn people, come on. Sometimes we overthink next steps with God. We say, God, will you, will you tell me what to do next? And I think what, sometimes God's response is, will you be obedient right now? It's not about what you need to do next. What, it, what if it was really about being obedient in the here and now, being obedient in the moment? And if God is prompting you to get baptized, I don't care if you've been in church for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. If the Spirit of God is prompting you to get baptized today to publicly declare before your church family that you've made the decision to follow Jesus, then you be obedient to do that. And I'll tell you this, you will experience so much blessing and breakthrough when you choose to obey God. So whether you're scheduled to get baptized or not, if you didn't come prepared for baptism today, here's what we believe. It's, it's our responsibility as a church to make sure that we're prepared so that you can take that next step if you feel led to. And so when you exit and they take you back to change clothes, we've got these bags prepared where we have shorts and come on, we got underwear for men and for women. We even got t-shirts and combs and wet bags for your clothes. We've got everything prepared because if you feel like God is telling you to do something, we're not gonna let something as small as some wet clothes stand in the way of that. So we're ready. The question is, are you? Are you ready to be obedient to do what God is leading you to do? And so what I wanna do is I wanna pray for you really quick and then I wanna to count to three. And if you are prepared or you're not, but you wanna get baptized today and the count of three, you can exit the auditorium. So God, we just thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to celebrate baptism already because we've seen you do some amazing things, but we believe that our best days in you are coming. So Father, we just pray right now, if someone needs to get baptized, they would be obedient to step out into the road. We're gonna count to one, 
Come on, you can do this. Two, God is for you. Three, you can exit the auditorium now. Come on, church, can we celebrate with those people today? Come on. Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's message at Propel Church. We pray that God spoke to you powerfully. And if you made any kind of decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or recommit your life to Jesus, or maybe you just wanna share something that God spoke to you through today's message, do us a favor and send us an email to amen at propel.church. And if God is using this ministry to impact your life and you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so over at propel.church slash give. We pray God's blessing and favor over your life and believe that the best days have yet to come.